0: Hello everyone, welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we're talking about recovery. And before we get into today's episode, if you listen to this podcast and find it helpful, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing Like I said before, we try to keep these episodes really short and concise and hopefully applicable. And we also don't take any advertising. So the way that this podcast grows is by reviews. So if you have a second to leave a review, I would so appreciate it. And for those of you that have already taken time out of your day to leave a review, I read all of them and I really, really appreciate it so much. And if you ever have suggestions for future podcast topics, feel free to, you know, leave your review. And then you can also drop a topic in your review because I I read them all. So today we're talking about recovery. And for those of you, especially you type a people that are like, Oh, I don't need to listen to this podcast. Yes, you do. I truly think that everyone needs to listen to this podcast and listen to these concepts because recovery is 50% of the equation when it comes to fitness, 50%, it's half. So it is just as important as your work. So if you're not recovering properly, you're not going to see the results that you want. So your workouts are only as effective as your ability to recover from them. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. And there are so many recovery tools and practices floating around these days. Some of them have convincing, interesting evidence, and some of them are more controversial. Today, we're not going to dig into you know compression therapy and foam rolling and massage guns. We're not really going to dig into that stuff today. What I want to do is talk about what recovery is, why it's important, some of the things that I recommend to optimize your recovery, and then a couple of cool tricks that you can use to test out how recovered you are and whether or not you should do a workout that day based on how recovered you are. I think it's so common to prioritize training, but recovery, like I said, is 50% of the equation because exercise causes muscle stress and minor injury to the muscle cells themselves. It deconstructs some of the tissue and properties of the muscle cell in order for your immune system to come back in and grow it stronger. So it's compromising really the structural integrity and functional capacity of the muscle cell. In other words, exercise is stress, and it temporarily makes you weaker. I don't know why I chose this reference, because I don't know much about laying bricks, but it's like laying bricks. I believe that you know the cement that you use in between the bricks has to interact with the oxygen or something like that to solidify and complete some chemical processes in order to harden and make the instru- entire structure stronger. If someone leans on that wall before the cement has dried, the whole structure can topple. But when you've given that cement time to, you know, firm up, complete its chemical processes, then the whole structure becomes stronger. So your body is the same way. So if your body is given enough time to complete the chemical processes necessary to rebuild cells and make them stronger and more tolerant to forces, then you get stronger. If you don't give your body enough recovery time and nourish your body properly between workouts, you won't benefit as much. And often you can regress and get injured. I've talked about overtraining and overuse a lot on this podcast, because I think it's extremely common and especially in group fitness, but overuse or using a muscle too frequently before it's had time to heal can not only be suboptimal for muscle growth and hypertrophy, but it can increase your risk of injury because of a decrease in what's called proprioception or your body's ability to control and, and know where your joint is in space or to know your joint's position. And the theory is that what happens is because of inflammation due to your workouts and, and, you know, deconstructing some muscle cells, there's some inflammation in the joint. And this gives your nervous system less information about the position of that joint, and it leaves you more vulnerable uh, to injury in your workouts. So recovery is important, and programming it to make sure that you aren't overusing muscles is important. How long does muscle recovery take? It varies person to person and will depend on your genetics and your lifestyle as well. If you are someone who is managing stress, if you're sleeping, if you're eating and hydrating well, you may recover faster than someone who is burning the candle at both ends. Maybe, you know, someone who is taking care of a sick loved one or that person who is struggling financially or at their job and, you know, just trying to make it through and under, under a lot of emotional or even sometimes physical stress that person who has outside stressors that may not be in their control may not have the capacity to heal and recover at the same rate as someone who has say less stress in their lives because that person that has a lot of stress in their lives, their body's priority is just to keep them above water, not necessarily on optimizing and healing their body. Now we all deal with stress and you know, Stress isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's in the right doses. In fact, some stress can be good. But this is where it's important to decide if there are things in your lifestyle that you can modify, like if you can improve your sleep, if you can improve your nutrition, if you can improve and manage your stress. And if you can improve those things, the efficacy of your workouts will also improve. And if you can't improve some of those things you may want to choose training frequency accordingly. So you may choose to train less frequently and or less intensely if you have some unavoidable stressors in your life that you aren't able to kind of negotiate around. And this is another one of those situations where if you do have lots of unavoidable stressors and it's not possible to improve the quality of your sleep, nutrition, stress, et cetera, This is a situation where less can be more because if you are consistently training unrecovered because your body is, you know, treading water, just trying to keep you, just trying to keep you alive, you may be taking one step forward and one or two steps back. Whereas if you trained a little bit less or less intense and gave your body time for recovery, yes, your results may happen slowly, but at least they'll happen, right? Because a lot of times when you're overstressed, you might not see results at all, and you might just end up with a painful body. So you would most likely see so much better results over the long term, and you would feel much better physically instead of just spinning your wheels from doing too much. And I did an entire podcast about this. And I think it's actually a lot more common than we think because a lot of us are, you know, not so great at managing stress and not so great at sleeping. So I think a lot of us are overstressed and actually underperforming in our workouts. And I did an entire podcast. I will link it in the show notes. It's called why your muscles aren't growing part two under Overtraining, and both. So Again, you can actually undertrain because you're overtraining. So that's something that's you know really important to consider when you're thinking about how to incorporate workouts into your life that are actually going to benefit you. What will also influence your recovery rate is the load to your tissues. So if you had a really effective workout where you really fatigued your muscles and you worked your muscles very you know hard and you got close to that failure point that workout may take longer to recover from than one where you didn't load your muscles as much, but seems obvious, right? So those are some things that can influence how quickly you will recover. I think a lot of people want to know, like, how many days do I wait in between workouts? And it's going to be person to person. It might take some trial and error. Some things to look for are if you, your joints are like constantly painful. If you feel like you're not getting any stronger, uh, if you feel like your workouts are, you're not, you know, getting better at them, it could be because you're doing too much and you need to maybe incorporate some more recovery. And then additionally, you need to make sure that you're programming your workout so you aren't overusing your muscles. So you aren't you know, working your glutes almost to failure on Monday and then turning around and working your glutes almost to failure again on Tuesday. So I do recommend at least one day in between when you work a muscle group really hard, preferably two or more days. And if you really work that muscle hard, sometimes you need up to a full week and sometimes longer. So it's going to be person to person. So I'll give you a tool that you can use to test if your body is recovered and ready for another workout here in a moment. But just know that this is just something to keep playing with. There is no like one size fits all recovery time period for anyone. And it also may change as you go through different seasons of your life. So it's something to just get curious about, say like, okay, I'm not you know, getting, I feel like I'm not getting any stronger. It's been a couple months and I I feel like I'm not getting any stronger. I'm constantly sore. My joints are starting to hurt. Maybe you say, okay, maybe I'll add in an additional recovery day where I just do an easy walk and see if maybe the next week you feel like you bounce back quicker. See if maybe you're starting to lift those heavier weights, you're starting to feel better in your joints. Um, and, you know, it can change. Like some, some days, some weeks, seasons, you might feel really good. You might feel like, you know, you only need one recovery day as opposed to two recovery days. So it's just something to play with. It's never as easy as like, these are the parameters, do this and you'll succeed. And I I hope that my content reflects that, you know, there might be certain boundaries in which to play around with things in your own physiology to to determine what dose, intensity, recovery time, et cetera, is optimal for your own workout results. I also want to say that, because I always get asked about soreness when we talk about recovery, I want to say that just because you aren't sore, that doesn't mean that your muscles or your system aren't in need of recovery. Study after study have shown that soreness is not a good barometer of muscle damage. I like to think if you worked a muscle the day before and worked it close to failure, it probably needs at least one rest day, if not more to recover. And in that day, that muscle, you know, may flex and move. You don't have to like stay stationary. Like if you worked your glutes, it doesn't mean you can't go up and down the stairs. Of course, I want you to live your daily life, but you just aren't putting it through another really stressful and damaging workout immediately after you've done it the day before, or sometimes you need two days or even longer. On the same token, should you work a muscle group that is really sore? I always say no. Give it another day. Or more before you work that same muscle group that's sore. Since position awareness can be affected with you know muscle damage and soreness, you may be more vulnerable to injury if you work a muscle group that's really sore. Now, is it okay to work a muscle group that's sore every once in a while? Probably. You're probably okay. But it's just best to probably not make that a habit. Okay, so we talked about why recovery is important. We talked about why it's important not to overuse muscles. We talked about programming your workouts and we talked about soreness. Let's now say that your workouts are programmed so you're giving your muscles enough time to recover, you know, you aren't overstressing your system with workouts that are too long or too intense for your body, you're sleeping well, etc. Those are the most important things to get down. But what do you do in between your workouts or on your recovery days? I always encourage our members to take, you know, at least two recovery days. Some people can get away with one. Again, you can just have to assess your own body. Some people can get away with one. Some people need more than two, but I do encourage to, I find that that feels the best for me. And I always encourage some easy movement on your recovery days, like yoga, walking, light swimming, light cycling. Anything that gets your body moving, but isn't super stressful on your muscles or on your system, because we want to move our bodies every day to enhance blood flow and potentially remove metabolic waste that can accumulate when you've damaged muscle cells during your workouts. But again, we don't want to stress out our system so much that it creates more damage to our muscles and more stress to our system. Because again, that can backtrack us. So I like to say that a good rule of thumb is that your recovery day movement should feel easy, leisurely, you know, relatively relaxing, and we don't want you to really get that muscle burn and muscle fatigue. So we we want you to stay below that muscle burn threshold. And you can get heart rate up a little bit, but we just don't want those sessions to feel super fatiguing on your systems, it, on your system. If you, you know, cycle, let's say, and cycle for 20 minutes and afterwards you're like, whew, I'm wiped. Even if your muscles feel fresh, it might have been too stressful on your system. So we want to try to avoid that if we can. Okay. So that's what I recommend to do on your recovery days. Let's talk about another key important factor for muscle recovery and it's sleep. I always say you need to adjust your training program and decrease your training frequency or intensity if you are not sleeping well. Again, if you are not sleeping well, you need to adjust your training frequency and or intensity. Sleep is number 1 because human growth hormone, which repairs damaged tissue, is released during sleep. So, again, if we want stronger muscles, we have to sleep well. And maybe I'll do an entire podcast soon where I do a deep dive into sleep. But I do know that lack of sleep can really be a killer for fitness gains. So if it's like, okay, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. every single day, I'm only getting four hours of sleep, but I'm getting my workouts in every day. I would honestly rather you get more sleep and less workouts. I think that those workouts where you're sleeping better, but you're doing fewer of them are actually more productive than the workouts where you're doing a ton of them. You know, you're getting it in every single day, but it's, it's cutting into your sleep time. Okay. That's sleep. And obviously nutrition is important for recovery as well. And I interviewed Catherine Andrew about how to, she's a functional registered dietitian. I interviewed her on the podcast about how to eat following exercise for muscle recovery and gains. And I will link that podcast as well in the show notes. Okay. So lastly, let's talk about a little test that you can do to see if your system is recovered and ready for your muscle fatiguing workout. So this is a great thing to do, I think for really anyone, but if you think that you may be struggling to recover properly from your workouts, like if you're you know, not seeing any gains, if you're feeling super sore all the time, if you're not getting any stronger, if you're sometimes you can even get moody and sleep disturbances from overtraining and not recovering properly. If you feel like any of that is happening to you, I definitely, definitely want you to try these things. Okay. So the first thing, there's two of these and I got both of these from the Huberman lab podcast. And I will link the podcast that I uh, referenced in, in the show notes, but he talks about a few things that you can do to kind of measure your recovery, but I'm going to highlight two easy ones to test here. So the first is grip grip strength and grip strength is, is literally like how hard you can contract your hand muscles to squeeze something. and this seems like it wouldn't matter because most people you know, they don't care as much about their the strength of their hands. It's not like we're like doing hand workouts. but this can be a valuable insight because it can measure the ability for your brain to connect to your muscles and generate force because when your system, believe it or not, is not recovered, it can reduce muscle activation across the board, across your entire body. So you can test grip strength and it can be a good indicator if, of if you're recovered and ready to do another, you know, intense muscular, muscular session. So you can test your grip strength on a morning when you're feeling really good. So like he recommends doing this like first thing in the morning when you're well well rested and you know, maybe it's been a couple of days since you've trained and this is so that you can get a baseline and you can kind of see where you are when you are more or less at your most recovered point during the week. If you're an Evla member and you do your first workout on let's say you do your first workout on a Monday morning after 2 days of rest over the weekend, maybe you can measure your grip strength first thing Monday morning. And this can give you again a baseline that you can operate from. So a few things that you can do. I will link I just ordered a grip strength like measuring measuring tool I got it on Amazon because I'm I'm going to use that to measure my recovery because I'm curious and I will link that in the show notes the one that I'm using but you don't have to buy anything fancy at all you can Heberman says that you can squeeze a scale which I thought was a really good idea so like take both hands and squeeze the scale as hard as you can and see what number pops up on the scale. You could, you know, squeeze a rubber ball as hard as you can and just kind of subjectively measure like, okay, do I feel strong? Do I feel like I can really get after this? Or does my hand feel like tired and weak? Um, Or again, you can use that grip strength measure. And this isn't, we're not necessarily looking for any number, although I I do think that there are reference numbers you can look at, but I kind of just want you to compare yourself to yourself. So if you're noticing that you're progressively getting weaker throughout the week, Or you're progressively getting weaker throughout the month in your grip strength. It could indicate that you're doing too much and need to take out a workout or reduce intensity of a workout. Or maybe it means you need to prioritize sleep. Or maybe it means you need to change something in your nutrition. Just And you don't have to get overwhelmed about everything you need to change, but just try one thing, wait a couple of days, see if that helped your recovery. Another thing that you can do, and again, I will link this in this podcast in the show notes, is take what I call a reset week. And reset weeks can be really powerful to allow your body to fully recover and allow your immune system to really catch up to you. And that can actually make your workouts then more effective because now you're fully recovered. Your muscles are fully healed and you, a lot of people end up going up in weight after they take a reset week. So that could be something that you could do as well. And again, I will link that in the show notes. So if you want to learn more about that, you can. Okay. So that's the first thing that you can do to test your recovery. And what I plan on doing with this is I'm And I just, or I, it just came in the mail today, so I haven't done it yet, but I plan on measuring my grip strength, you know, first thing Monday morning, and then I'll probably measure it every day of the week until Friday. And what I would like to see is that maybe, you know, it goes down a little bit, like by the, by the end of the week, by Friday, and then I want to see it ramp up again the next week. So we don't want to see it like really, really crash. So if you're, let's say if I do my Monday workout and you know, Tuesday morning, it like totally crashes, but you know, I'm supposed to do a workout on Tuesday morning. Well, maybe instead of doing my usual workout, my usual upper body workout, that's really fatiguing on my muscles. Maybe instead I'll just take a walk or take a yoga class or something like that. So this can be really helpful for you to determine like on demand, do I need to insert another recovery day here? So that's grip strength. And then another thing you can test is, and this is all from, um, Andrew Huberman's podcast is what's called the carbon dioxide tolerance test. And this measures your capacity to engage your parasympathetic nervous system via mechanical control of your diaphragm. And it measures your ability to activate that parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system on demand. Your parasympathetic nervous system is the nervous system state where you recover and get stronger from your workouts. So it's super important to be able to dip into that parasympathetic nervous system so that you know you're, you're priming your body so that you can, uh, grow stronger from your workouts. So this carbon dioxide tolerance test is a measure or is an indicator of, am I able to get into my parasympathetic nervous system or am I kind of in this fight or flight, stressed out, not recovered state? So here's what you do. You inhale and exhale as deeply as you can for four rounds. So inhale as deeply as you can really engage your rib cage breathing. So breathe in 360 degrees of your rib cage, really inflate your belly, really get that diaphragm moving as you breathe in, as you breathe out, just let it all relax back down. So four slow, deep breaths as, as deeply as you can. And then on your fifth inhale, what you'll do is you'll breathe in as much air as you can. Again, expanding that rib cage, expanding that diaphragm, get to the very, very top of your inhale as much as you can. And then when you finish inhaling as much as possible, you hit a timer and you slowly release air out through your mouth like you're breathing out through a straw. So you want to release air as slowly as you can because the goal is is that you want to lengthen this exhale as long as possible. And Andrew Huberman says, don't sit there with your lungs empty, right? So once you're done breathing out and you breathe out that last little millimeter of air, then you stop your timer. So here are the numbers that you could kind of look for to tell if you're recovered or not. 20 to 25 seconds or less. So if your exhale was less than 25 seconds ish, you're probably not recovered from your workout. And that day you could probably benefit from doing an easy, leisurely recovery day activity. Like again, you know, maybe going for an easy bike ride, an easy walk, an easy swim, a yoga flow class, something like that. 30 to 60 seconds is kind of that area where you're good to go. So you're probably recovered. You're probably ready to go in there and do another muscularly intense workout. And then he says from 65 to 120 seconds, you have completely recovered your nervous system and you're definitely good to go and primed. And maybe this is something that you could really, that could really happen after a recovery week or after a reset week. So you could test that kind of before and after a reset week to see if you decide to do a reset week to see if your um, carbon dioxide tolerance improved over that reset week. And notice some trends in yourself. Again, you're comparing yourself to yourself those numbers are estimates. So we don't have to get obsessed with the numbers, but it's just something to kind of track over time throughout your week and just kind of notice like, okay, am I taking enough recovery? Yes or no. Am I, do I need to add in another recovery day? Maybe midweek because my top, my carbon dioxide tolerance test is like shooting down midweek. So that's something that can be really, really helpful and good for you to know. Okay. So when it comes to recovery, the tools are endless. We talked about why it's important, why you need to prioritize recovery. It's 50% of the equation. We talked about why it's important not to overuse your muscles because overused muscles are not muscles that grow optimally. We talked about soreness and how you shouldn't measure your workouts based on soreness. And maybe, but still at the same time, we don't really want you to work out when you are sore. And then we talked about, we talked about what to do on your recovery day. So maybe an easy walk leisurely bike ride. We talked about the importance of sleep and nutrition. And then we talked about really the two things that you can do to see if your body is recovered. So the grip strength test and the carbon carbon dioxide tolerance test. So again, the tools are endless when it comes to recovery. And I, and I know I'm going to get asked my opinion about foam rolling or compression or massage and (laughs) truthfully, I laid out exactly what I do and recommend when it comes to recovery and I really don't do much else and I don't necessarily recommend much else. Not that there's other things out there that aren't potentially helpful, but I like to keep it basic. And I do think that when you followed these things that I laid out in this podcast, you're pretty much going to be covered and you're pretty much going to really improve your, your results from your workouts because you are recovering properly. I think, you know, your own immune system is the best recovery tool that you have. So if you can give your body space and your immune system space to do its thing by eating and sleeping and hydrating and moving in ways that that really nourish your body. I think that's the best recovery tool. You know, we could spend all day talking about foam rolling and stretching and massage and compression and cold immersion and all of those things. But when it comes down to it, if you aren't covering the basics, those other things might just be a band-aid and, you know, might not, might not be the best approach. Not saying that they aren't potentially helpful, but if you don't have the basics, I think, you know, why bother? If you have tools that you're using that you feel like help you, giddy up. I say, keep going. If it feels like, you know, you're seeing results and you're getting stronger and you're using certain tools that are helping you, I say, go for it. Um, because the evidence honestly just is kind of all over the place when it comes to some of these recovery tools. So I hope this was helpful. If you'd like to join a program where we really prioritize recovery and we also don't, do our workouts in a way that feels like a total beat down. You know, I want to make sure that we're building our body up using all of these tools, not just slowly wearing it down. We would love to have you in Evlo. If you're interested, evlofitness.com, E-V-L-O fitness.com. I'll also put seven free classes in the show notes. If you want to give our method a try and that is it. Thank you for listening. We will see you all next week. Bye.